seated this morning. God is very good. We are excited for this morning, not because the weather is getting so much warmer, uh, but also because there's so many families here to, to support and celebrate the dedication of these children to the Lord. So today is our baby dedication Sunday here at Calvary Gospel Church, which is always a great time, an exciting time. I'm always I always think about when I read the Bible and you're reading the Old Testament and it said, and all the families came to the courtyard of the Lord and they were there for six hours. I'm sure the kids sat very still and there was no noise. Right? They just sat quietly. No, that's not how it was. We worshiped together as a family. And there's different ages and we grasp different things. And so I always encourage people. There's a lot of kids here. Some of them might walk around a little bit. Some of them might cry out. That's normal. God still has a message to us, not just to these little children or to the parents or to the families, but everybody here. God wants to speak into your heart if you'll hear it. So thank you if you're here and you're visiting or you're supporting a family. We want to welcome you to Calvary Gospel Church. We're excited you're here. We're glad to worship with you this morning and connect with Jesus together this morning. Um, and uh, if, if you're new, this is your first time, you want to know a little bit more about what we do and who we are, we have a little circular desk in the back. You can call it a kiosk or a welcome center, whatever you want. And uh, we have a couple points of information we'd like to get from you, maybe connect with you and see if you'd like to know more about us. If you do want to check in there and say hi to them, they'll give you a small gift. So we're just excited to have you here this morning. 
If you uh, would like to give this morning, we have a number of ways you can give. You can give in little boxes on the wall. You can drop something in there. Um, you can give online at cgcmadison.org backslash giving. You can give by mail. Uh, that'll hit us, 5301. You can also give via the Church Center app. I don't have my phone on me, but I always hold it up. we got a Church Center app. You can log on and really learn about the things going on at Calvary Gospel Church some of which are some events we have coming up in the next couple weeks. This Friday, March 8th, so today we're already, what are we, the 3rd already? March 3rd. So this Friday, March 8th, is our all-church prayer right here in this sanctuary at 7 p.m. And there will be other churches from our section, from this area, that are joining us as well. So please come and be blessed and come ready to worship and pray together as a church and with other churches. And then next Sunday, March 10th, we have a special speaker in our 11 a.m. service. That special speaker, Terry Spears, she's coming up to minister, and we're excited. She always does a great job. We really love to hear from the Lord through her. And then at 6 p.m. next Sunday night, the 10th again, put it in your calendars or your phone, is the men's ministry service right here at church. So if you're a man or consider yourself a man, you should show up at 6 p.m., and, and be blessed. So my little guy considers himself a man, so he shows up with me, and uh, we're blessed. So that's next Sunday, the 10th. And then the last announcement for dates is Thursday, March 14th, is our annual church business meeting at 7 p.m. Thursday, March 14th, annual church business meeting at 7 p.m. Whew. And that's all the official announcements, right? But let me give you an overview of how our baby dedication services work, right, today. For those of you that haven't been here, haven't been a part of this, uh, we're going to introduce you to the families. So the families are going to get a chance to stand up with their child and you maybe see a picture of them. And Pastor Roy is going to give them a little certificate and a little Bible. Um, we are going to have the dedication where we're going to ask the parents and their children to come up and, and hand their baby to the minister that's, that's here this morning. And then uh, we'll have a prayer. We'll pray all together as a church, and we'll pray for these families and for these children and for these parents specifically. And then Pastor Roy, our senior pastor, is going to be giving a message uh, really geared towards uh, the, the families and the dedication of these children. But you'll hear me say it every single time. The Bible is the Bible, and if you were in the service this morning, Brother Seidel, uh, in our adult Bibles today, talked about you can read one thing and somebody thinks it's super deep and somebody thinks it's super easy, but whether we're talking about baby dedications or Noah on the ark or the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, God has something for you, no matter who you are or where you're at. So I pray that God would, would move. And so for those of you that don't know me, I should have started with this. My name is Brother Peter Sand, and I'm the family pastor here at Calvary Gospel Church. I help out with some of these baby dedications, which is something I really love doing. And I don't get to do any more for my children because all four are done and gone, and we've dedicated them. And now we actually have to live it out, right, uh, which is much harder than dedicating them. But we get a lot of questions at times, even for my family. Hey, P Peter, why, why, do, why does your church dedicate children to God? Why don't you baptize them? And, and I think it's important to understand why we do this, but we dedicate our children to God and we don't baptize them because this is a sign we're putting them in God's hands. Just like they're going to put them in the hands of the minister this morning, we're putting them in God's hands. Much like Hannah did, there's a story in the Bible with Hannah and she's like, God, I'm going to dedicate this child to you. And she, she literally put him in the hands of the minister, right, when she did that. Um, today we symbolically put our children in God's hands and know that he is able to keep whatever we commit to him. That applies to more than just children, for the record. And anything you want to put in God's hands, he'll take care of for you, right? In the Bible, though, when we read through and study baptism, which is full immersion underwater, it required understanding, repentance, and belief. 
Everywhere in the Bible, when they were baptized, because they required understanding, repentance, and belief. And as infants, they can't do those three things at this time. And so we don't baptize them. But we do want to raise them in the fear and admonition of God and of his word so that one day they do choose to make that choice, right? They, we want them to choose it, right? And the, the dedication ceremony today will require participation, right? You don't have to, there's no like moves or anything you got to know, right? But there will become a time when I ask everybody to stand and say, hey, will, will you join and pledge to support these families as our church body, right? Family members, will you join and pledge to support this family as they try to raise these children to be God-fearing? So with that said, Pastor Roy, if you come up, we're going to introduce some of these families. Um, when, I, when I call your name, if you could stand with your child that's being dedicated, and uh, we'll, we'll all uh, give you a hand. But the first child that we're going to be dedicating this morning is Macy Moran. So Matt is here with his daughter, Macy. These are great pictures. The second child being dedicated this morning is Fiel Isabel Vega Martinez. And the parents are Roberto and Nasli Vega Martinez. She's definitely a member of the family. They look alike. And then we have a family who wants to dedicate three children this morning, catching up a little bit, but you got a tight shot group there, is we have three children, Oliver, Max, and Macy Wedland, and their parents, uh, oh, sorry, I, I didn't write your name down, I'm sorry, but it's Leah and Aaron, Aaron uh, Man, uh, Manis, no, sorry. <sighs> I got all my notes wrong this morning, I'm sorry, but God bless you. And then staying in the same family, we have Ivy Manis. Oh, did you get the third? Pastor Roy, I think they get three Bibles because they got three kids. Yes. You don't have to read them all separately. You don't have to read them all separately. You can read one. Oh, awesome. Thank you. And then lastly, uh, not lastly, we then have Ivy Manis for parents Josh and Jenny Manis. Definitely family members here. see the resemblances. And then also we have, uh, I'll take that one. We got a little extra one this morning. We also have Elora Graper with parents Scott and Sierra Graper. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so, I, you know, I feel the need before, before we start the dedication, we want to we wanna give a little bit of a charge to the church and to the parents, something simple to remind ourselves. But dedication is a time where parents commit their children back to Jesus, realizing we're only stewards of his blessings. But here's the thing, we're not committing them to God to raise them. We're not committing them to the church to raise them. We're committing them to saying, God, I will raise them in the way you said. And when I do that, you are going to bless them. And you're going to bless me. And you're going to bless our family. And we're going to bless their lives. Because when they follow your way, their lives will be better. 
We're committing that as we as parents will raise our children in the way of Christ and that we will dedicate our lives, this is a key moment, to following the ways of God and his word and training our children to be the same. It's not just I'm going to raise my child to follow the ways of Christ and the ways of God's word, but I'm committing myself. I'm dedicating myself to follow this because it's important to me. Parents and family members and friends that are gathered here today, you see these children. It's always amazing. You see children, and they're so delicate and fragile. And when they need something, or they act a little cross or maybe scream out, we, oh, it's a baby, right? Oh, that's great. But sometimes we don't give ourselves that grace, right? Sometimes maybe we should remind ourselves when we see these children that that's how our Heavenly Father sees us that he wants us to run to his arms, that it's okay when we're frustrated and sad and sick and that God, he's just sitting there looking down saying, you're my children. And so let today be a reminder, if you're an adult or a youth or somebody that can comprehend this, that yes, just like you see a children, a child, that's how God sees you. Fathers, the relationship between a father and his child is special. God has called you to be the leader and a guide to them. Not through dictatorship, fathers. Not through dictatorship, but setting examples and serving them. Don't let, fathers, do not let your job as a man, your responsibilities, get in the way of serving your children, of loving your children. Oh, but I'm doing this to give them the life. Yeah, and then you'll be a dad they never got to see and were never a part of and don't know. Don't get so caught up in the things of this life and our jobs and our responsibilities that we don't raise our children that we're not in their lives. But men, this starts with your own relationship with God. I said it earlier, but you're not going to be able to, fathers, teach your children about God or be the leader if you are not following God yourself. And so men, it's hard to hear, but if you want to lead your children in God, then you've got to follow God. Have your own walk with God. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Fast. Come to church. Look for opportunities to serve. Sorry, I get passionate telling men to straighten up. Okay, moms, God has designed you uniquely to be the caregiver and nurturer for children, to nurture and comfort them. They will come to you when they are in need and when they are not in need. The love a mother can show her child, I believe, is uncomparable. But I think at times we've all seen it run out. But the Bible says that if we will go to Jesus and let his love shine into our lives, it fills us and we can shine that love to others. Mothers, if you want to be the caregiver and the nurturer God has designed you to be, go to him. Fill your love bucket with Jesus every day. Go to him in prayer. Cast your needs on him because when your love bucket is full from Jesus, you have so much more to give to those children in those moments where you definitely do want to do everything but love them. Parents, you are the example your children see more than any other. You create the normal. You parents create the normal that will begin to shape who they are and what they believe. Set the, set the example in your marriage, in your responsibilities, in your walk with God, in the things you do around the home, the things you, you set as important, your priorities. Show them how to learn, grow, succeed, and fail. Show them how to live God, life God's way. I'd like all the parents to come forward with their children and also the minister and the minister's wife.
So for a minute here, my beautiful wife will be standing alone until Pastor Roy comes up to pray. But if you could come up with your, your child that you intend to dedicate, and the minister will be stand right in front of you. The minister will stand in front of you facing out, and you'll stand in front of the minister facing me. Okay, you can come in close because you're going to be handing the baby off, and we don't want to throw it. Okay, we want to... Okay, there we go. You don't hand it yet. We'll hand it at the end. And now, if you're a family member or a friend or somebody who's here to support this family, could you gather around them? Could you gather around them this morning? We might have a bigger group over here, but it's one giant family, so just gather around both of them. There we go. And so I'm going to ask you some questions. There you go. Keep coming down. This is great. This is beautiful. And it's also normal for those of you, you know, this is normal for kids to be screaming, okay? It doesn't mean they don't want to be dedicated. It just means they don't know what's going on. So families, parents, I'm going to ask you first a question. And if you intend to respond the way I mentioned that you say we do, okay? Parents, do you now present your child before God with the purpose to dedicate your child to God? Okay, Do you consecrate yourselves as parents to raise up your child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Do you promise to instruct this child in the teachings of Jesus Christ and in the practice of prayer and to guide them in the development of Christ-like character? This one's a little bit longer. Do you promise to try to the best of your ability to shape the home life of this child? both by family devotion and by your words and your example, that they themselves will grow in personal relationship with Jesus and will pursue the biblical experience of salvation through repentance, baptism, and infilling of the Holy Ghost. Church family, can you all stand? Everybody out here, you don't got to come forward. You got to stand here. And so for the church family and those of you around, these questions are for you, okay? After each one of these, you could say, we will, if you accept. Will you do all that you can to provide, to provide and support a place of instruction and community where this child and these parents may hear godly wisdom? Will you covenant together as a family to set and a community to set an example by your lives and to maintain an atmosphere which will inspire these children to desire to live for God? Will you do as God leads you and pray for these families? Pastor Roy, if you come up here. Ministers, if it be your intent to dedicate your child today, and I know there's going to be a little hiccups here, hand them over to the minister, okay? And if it doesn't work, the minister will put their hands on you. And Pastor Roy is going to pray for these children and for these families. Let's pray, church. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gift. These treasured children, Lord, they are a gift of God. And what a profound blessing these children are to us. You have entrusted these children to these families. And we know, Lord, that they belong to you. And like Hannah offered Samuel, dedicated these children, or we dedicate these children to you, Lord. And we recognize that they will always be in your care. And, Lord, we pray for these parents. We pray for these families and this church family, Lord, with all of our weaknesses and all of our imperfections. Rather than worry, 
Lord, help them to remember that their child is secure in your mighty hands. Lord, your love is perfect, Lord. So we can trust that your love and your concern for these children are even greater than ours, Lord. And give these families today the strength and the godly wisdom to raise their children after your holy word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You can feel free to return back to your seats. And you can be seated this morning. A lot, a lot of babies here. A lot of little ones. I believe that baby dedications are as much of a dedication of a, a set of parents and as, as dedication as a family because it's a process. They stay babies for just a little while and then they grow. And before you know it, you've got teenagers in the house. And uh, sometimes what you hear at a baby dedication can carry you all the way through those teenage years, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about something that is not really talked about a lot in baby dedications. It's one of those subjects that people don't like to address, but I think it's very very critical, especially in the world that we live in today. And I want to title this little message this morning: "I Want It Now." Now. And we're going to talk about teaching self-control. Teaching self-control. When we look at verse 28, of uh, King Solomon writes in Proverbs, he says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. We look at this translation in the uh, a different translation, a little closer to what the original Hebrew says, and it says, like a city that is broken into without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Now, there are a number of benefits to self-control this morning. And uh, while timeless in nature and, and, and uh, it's kind of fallen out of favor in today's ultra-busy, ultra-competitive environment that we live in, and uh, I've, I've seen it over and over and over again as I go out into, into the public and I go into restaurants and go into stores and, and such that, that you can tell which children have been taught self-control and you can tell which children control the family. This last few weeks, I started, as we got closer to this baby dedication, I started to pay a little bit more attention in public to the topic of self-control. And my wife and I were talking about this over breakfast yesterday, and, and uh, also I, I, I was at a couple different restaurants this past week where that they had children in, in the restaurant. Now, I'm not opposed to children going to restaurants, but, but some children 
probably should not be in a restaurant. And I was in a restaurant where the children were running around, chasing themselves all through the tables, bumping into tables, bumping into people, and the parents were just kind of somewhat oblivious. I just want to throw this in just for what it's worth. The time to teach self-control is you start young and you start at home and you start at your own dinner table. You don't wait until you go out in public. That's just for free. So when you look at this, the discipline of self isn't on display in the public's eye as it once was. And uh, we look at, 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 uh, at entertainment. We can go on to television, and, and you can check into any single reality show, and there's a number of various reality shows that show people and show families behaving very badly with little self-control of their emotions. And uh, they have little control over their actions, little control over their words. We can look at sporting events, and, and uh, we can see athletes that are paid hundreds of millions of dollars a year to throw a football, and they can't control themselves. They throw, they get loud, they get obnoxious, they have temper tantrums when a game or a call doesn't go their way. I don't know about you, but if... I'm paying you $100 million, and you're on my payroll. You better behave yourself because you're representing the company that I own. That's the way I feel about that. I don't care how good and how talented you are. Some of these guys, some of these babies need to be benched publicly. You're going to throw a tantrum publicly. You're going to get corrected publicly. That's my take on that. We need, we need more coaches like Vince Lombardi in the NFL. Maintaining self-control is an important component, listen to this, of conflict resolution. And uh, exercising self-control in the midst of extreme aggravation, it's an essential to solving and resolving conflict in a way that's fruitful for all of those that are involved. It's no mistake that self-control or the more old-fashioned word, long-suffering, is included in the fruits of the Spirit. Now, a few years back, we did a series on the fruits of the Spirit, and I talked about self-control, and I compared self-control to blueberries. Remember that? We have the strawberries, the bananas, we have the peaches, we have all of those sweet love, Galatians 5, 22, 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and thrown in at the very end of this is blueberries, is self-control, against such there is no law. Now, I like blueberries, but I like blueberries with ice cream. I like blueberries with pudding or yogurt, but just to go grab a handful of blueberries, they can be a little bit on the stiff side. But we must remind our children that they have to be masters of themselves. We have to teach that to them. It's not something they learn on their own. It's something that is taught to them, and it seems obvious, but children need to be told that they can control their reactions to events, to people, to circumstances, to life. They can control 
their actions. They are not like a leaf blows about in the wind. They have the ability to exercise control, and it takes practice and perseverance to strengthen our self-control muscle. My wife and I, as I said, we were at a restaurant this past week, and I have no problems with kids and restaurants, but I know that kids need to learn But the place to start to teach your children about how to behave in church is you teach them how to behave at home. I know so many families now, and this is not a, a, I'm not being critical, this is just how it is and it should change, but I know so many families that don't even eat dinner at the table anymore. They, uh, the kids eat when the kids want to eat and the parents eat when they're ready to eat and there's no family dinner hour or kids come to the, the table and they've got their cell phones and they sit there on their cell phones. Now you say, well, my children, I've got just a little, little child, but these are all things that children learn. If you're at the table and you're always on your phone, then they're probably going to expect to be able to be on their phone. You see, kids need to learn and that the act of teaching begins at home, and yes, it can be a struggle. It can be a struggle because little children are some of the most stubborn little things on the planet. You, only, you want to know what's worse, Brother Scott Graper, than a little stubborn person? A big stubborn person. So today I have a few pointers that all the parents, not just the parents the children that are being dedicated this morning, but all of the parents can follow when it comes to helping our children develop self-control. So point number one I want to share, and this is something that's a little bit difficult, especially for the dads, is it is okay, dads, to show your children that you struggle. I remember growing up, and, and, and I grew up in a very different era um, you know, my, my dad did not believe at all in, in the, the method of counting one, two, three. Um, it was, uh, I'm taking my belt off, and um, when it comes off, uh, there was no one, two, three, one, two, two and a half, two and three quarter, two and five, eight, or two and seven eighths. Uh, you, you know, I mean, it was like you knew if dad said something, you did it. And uh, it's okay to teach our children self-mastery to our children if we have a struggles with it ourselves. And uh, all of us stumble. And all of us in this area of self-control at one time or another, you're going to be driving, you're going to be talking to your children about behaving in the back seat, and you're going to be scolding them while somebody is cutting you off as you drive down the road, and you're going to lose self-control while you're trying to teach your children self-control. That's how life on the Beltline works. My wife and I went over to meet Ted and Carla Kryaski on Tuesday night, and I'm driving down the Beltline, and I knew we had to travel at, during rush hour traffic, 5.30. And they got that new X, new X lane, or what, what's, that, what's that called? The flex lane, the new flex lane. And it was open. And I'm doing 
I hate to admit it, but I'm doing almost 70 because I told my wife, I said, I'm doing 55 driving from Cambridge to Madison, and soon as I hit South Beltline, South Stoughton Road, traffic sped up to 70. It gets congested and people speed up. I guess they're in a hurry to crash. I'm not for sure, but anyway. So here I am doing 70 and cars are zipping past me in this flex lane that every time you see the check mark, green check, it says 55. And I'm doing 70 and I'm getting past. And I struggled with self-control. All the way to Gammon Road, self-control was evasive in my mind and in my thoughts. So we all stumble. And it's okay, dads, to share your down moments with your kids. For example, you could talk at dinner. If you have a child that maybe is losing its temper, you can talk at dinner, and it's okay to tell your children that, well, daddy lost his temper today, and let me, let me, let me try to tell you how. How? Tell, teach them, teach them how to apologize. Teach them how to ask for forgiveness. Teach them. You see, you're, 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 you're taking steps to avoid future blowups. Ask your kids to pray for you. I think that is such a noble thing to have your children be able to take and pray for you as a dad and as a mom. As you work through your struggles with self-control, you're teaching them that you have a struggle. You have a problem with people, dumb drivers. <laughs> you have a problem with maybe perhaps a neighbor that's always blowing his lawn clippings and leaves into your yard. But by teaching them to pray for you as you work through your struggle with self-control. You're teaching them you have a struggle, and if you have a struggle, you can start by praying about your struggle. This starts when they're little, when they're young, and it grows with them. And there's nothing wrong with revisiting the issue later to show what progress you've made or perhaps maybe you haven't made any progress and as your children, as you talk about this, you're able to say, you know, daddy's really having a hard time with this. You need to help pray for daddy. It doesn't show weakness. It's a teaching moment to teach your children how to live life, how to resolve conflict in their life. And it can encourage them in their own struggles as they begin to try to wrestle with self, because all of our children from a very early age are going to begin to wrestle with self. <laughs> Kids don't always want to be bad. Sometimes they just can't help themselves. So the first thing is it's okay to show your tr struggles and then practice it. Got to practice it. You got to teach your children by showing them by practicing it. Working on self-control is no different than lifting weights or practicing a sport or whatever it may be. You do the same thing over and over and over again. 
Repetition is what helps teach self-control. Self-control can be acquired by practicing it again and again and again. You may have the same conversation at the dinner table with every one of your children for two or three weeks, but you will eventually get through to them and stress that losing self-control doesn't mean that you're a loser and a failure. You know, <laughs> we have to think of ourselves as adults. How many times have we had setbacks in relationships in our lives? <laughs> How many times have we got mad at the boss? How many times have we argued with the wife? Setbacks are in in inevitable, and what matters most is to press forward and keep trying. Keep trying. Teach your children to persevere. We have so many children today that if it gets too difficult, the first thing they want to do is quit. That's because we have a lot of adults are that way, and we're teaching that to our children. Next is give them strategies to help them overcome. Don't just say, don't do it, because Daddy said so. Explain to them why you don't do it. When kids lose control, when people, when big people lose control, nowadays it's manifested with hitting and kicking and screaming. It just amazes me when you go on social media how many adults get in fights at streets and at restaurants and because somebody didn't give them their hamburger right, so they go up and they throw it back. It just amazes me. And then we wonder why our children are out of control. None of us are that way here this morning, though, I'm sure. But when kids lose self-control, it's often manifested by hitting, kicking, screaming. We know the routine. You put them in the high chair, and before you get them strapped in, they've already wormed their way out. You give them spaghetti, and they take spaghetti, and one minute it looks beautiful on the plate, and the next minute it's all over the floor. But in teaching our children, now I, I talked about growing up to where that my dad didn't believe in the counting one to ten or one to three or whatever. Now I would have I would have had to say that years ago, probably as I was growing, raising our daughter that I would never have added this point. But I've added it this morning because I believe that it's something that you can use as a tool. And that is, when your children lose self-control, I used to think it was dumb to give kids timeouts. I never got timeouts. My dad never. He was not a believer in timeouts. But I found out for myself and this is where I'm kind of more convinced that this probably would work with children or would work with children, is I found out in my life that when I get frustrated and aggravated, the best thing for me to do is to just check out of the situation for a little bit. <laughs> Somebody asked about here at church, they said, how, how, do, you, how do you deal with all of the, the things you deal with every day? It's not every day is not a bad day, but some days. I said, listen, there's enough space in this building. There's enough square footage in this building. There's enough closets in this building that I know where I can go and nobody can find me. Where's Pastor Roy? I don't know, his truck's out here, but I haven't seen him. He's not in his office. I'm just taking the time out. 
I'm counting to 10. <laughs> Count to 10. Understand, I'm not blaming any one generation here, but some things are simply taught at home. One way, one way and one of the ways that we learn and and so many young parents today were not, are not equipped to deal with all of the, the things that we're having to deal with. And there's no, there's no book, per se, other than this book that teaches us how to lead through every phase of life. So sometimes you just have to take your sweetheart little child and say, okay, you're going to have to take a time out. Now, my dad did occasionally send us to the corner and made us sit in the corner I used to count the bumps on the wall of the paint. That's probably why I'm, I still count light bulbs and everything else because I used to count a lot of bumps, knots on the wall or on the floor. So yes, sometimes maybe as a strategy to help them overcome, give them a timeout. Let them count to 10. Let them sit in the corner a little bit till they can control. I remember when I was in sixth grade, we had a teacher named Mrs. Rohde. And Mrs. Rohde, I loved her. She was a great teacher, but man, was she stern. She could be mean sometimes. And I know more than one time I had to spend the whole entire recess with my head down on my desk and I couldn't look anywhere you had to put your arms and put your head down. Remember those days, guys? Any, you ever have to do that, Brother Rico? Yeah. You had to miss Rody too, huh? I, I mean, we had to put her, and we couldn't look around. I remember at times trying to lift my arm up, and she'd say, Mr. Grant, keep your head down, or you'll be sitting in next recess. And on a nice day like today, I learned really quick. Listen, if you lose your cool... She'd say, sit down, put your feet on the floor. We had to put our feet on the floor, and our feet had to touch, just like this, and sit down in those desks and put our heads down. But you know what? We learned self-control. We learned self-control. So having your kids sit on the steps until they get themselves under control. Whatever you have to do, count to 10, put them in a corner. Give them strategies to help overcome. Another thing that I noticed happens a lot with, with children with, uh, when it comes to self-control is we need to delay gratification. And what I mean by that is a self-discipline can be taught not by giving in immediately to our children's requests. I see kids that are behaving badly, that are rewarded far too quickly, and they learn that if I behave badly, I can take and I can outmaneuver my parents and I can get what I want. Don't let them have their way just to gain quietness. Let them wait it out. Teach them how to wait and wait patiently. Visiting stores. Man, I see this all the time. When I, 
I don't like to go into Walmarts anymore because I get tired of, of, of seeing some of this. I don't remember the last time I've been in a Walmart, probably last year at camp in Shano. But you go in there and you've got kids at the checkout and they're throwing a fit because they want something and they won't get it. Their parents won't get it for them. And to keep peace and to keep things quiet, the parents give in and they give it to them. This is what I would do. They want that salted nut roll. I would buy them the biggest salted nut roll on the shelf, the big two-and-a-half-pounder. And when I got outside in my car and they wanted their salted nut roll, I would sit there and eat every last bit of that salted nut roll and say, next time, here, you can lick the wrapper, next time, next time when Daddy asks you to behave yourself, you'll get a salted nut roll. But see, Daddy behaved himself. He didn't spank you in front of everybody. Like I said, I was old school, raised old school. Use rewards sparingly. I know this is a whole thing. I know kids, and I've been in enough families and in enough houses to where that before it's time to eat, the kids are snacking. Five minutes before it's on the table, they're getting snacks. They're not going to starve to death in five minutes. Teach them. Teach them. Use rewards sparingly. My dad was old school, and I know he was old school because his dad, Papa Emery Grant, was old school. And um, we never got an allowance for doing things that were expected. My dad used to tell us, why should I give you an allowance to keep your room clean? It's your filth. You clean it up. That was his, his that's the way he did it. We, we never got allowance for keeping, for, for, for having to keep our rooms clean. We didn't, get, we, we didn't get allowances for doing dishes or mowing the lawn because those were chores that was expected out of us. We got allowances for going the extra mile, going the extra distance. And um, I thought he was mean. And I thought he was a tightwad. <laughs> Because the neighbor kids got allowances. But as I grew older, I started to feel the same way about some of those things. And we have to understand that, listen, we, we, get, we get one shot at raising our children. That's it. We don't get multiple. You can't, when they're 18, they're 18. You're not undoing and you're not, you can't go back and redo things. So self-control is more about a child's inner life than their outer conformance. And what, that I, what I mean by that is the fact that following the rules or standards of the house, we want the child's heart to be engaged. And don't give constant positive reinforcement for every compliance of a good job. Some things should just be expected. I'm sorry, but you start rewarding your children for the simple things, and they're always going to expect a reward. Nothing wrong with giving them a pat on the back and say, your room looks awesome. But every once in a while, a small reward is, is okay. I'm not saying that you can never give your child a candy bar. <laughs> oh, 
I could do it. We're, I'm running out of time. So we live in a society where streaming services have somehow made the word binge a good thing. It's a society where everyone is told they deserve that, you know, you work hard, you deserve to have it all. We live in a society where a labeled addiction is overused and misunderstood, and we live in a society where so many have been traumatized that are attempting to cope in so many wild, crazy, unhealthy ways. And we live in a society where self-care and self-consumption seem to push out self-restraint. And that is because we live in a society filled with sin and self-control can seem to be so unrealistic and unattainable at times. In fact, you may be sitting here <laughs> for the past few minutes and you may be frustrated with the, with the old-fashioned content, perhaps, in this lesson here today. And, or maybe you're frustrated in your guilt and you're beating yourself up because on the way to church you lost your cool as a dad or as a mom. We have to understand, as our musicians can come and we can stand here today as we close this out, to all of our brothers and our sisters, our church family, and all of the friends and all of our family that's here today, God knows our needs. God knows what every family needs. God knows when they need it. Paul writes to young Timothy. He was mentoring a, a young minister. He writes in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear. There's a lot of fear in our world today. I talk to some of our young families, and they're afraid of what kind of world are my children going to be raised in. There's the world out there. A lot of fear, a lot of things going on, a lot of evil in our world today. But Paul is writing to Timothy. He said, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Going back to Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love. These are things we teach our children. We teach our children about love. We teach them joy. We teach them about peace and patience. We can teach them about kindness and goodness and the rewards of being faithful, how to be gentle. And we can teach our children self-control. So in closing this morning, a life spent walking in the Spirit and bearing the fruits of the Spirit, it's not always an easy thing to do. But it's God's best plan for all of us. Furthermore, serious and painful consequences wait, await us if we yield to our sin. Paul warns us about this in Galatians 6, 7 where he says, do not be deceived. This is a hard scripture. 
to digest. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. You want to have peace in your home? Then you have to sow seeds of peace. You want to have love in your home? Then you, dads, you have to teach your children how to love. Moms, you have to teach your children how to love. You have to love one another. And you have to love God so they can learn what true love is about. You want to teach them patience and kindness and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For whatever a man sows, <laughs> that also will he reap. To claim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior in our homes and then live as we please mocks God and results in a future painful harvest of what we've sown. As I've said, families, dads, moms, we, we, we get one shot at this. We get one shot at this. But to live in obedience to the Lord and our families produce a great crop of righteousness and the fruit of the Spirit living and dwelling daily in our homes. So God bless you this morning to all of you families. And what we typically do at the end of a baby dedication is because a lot of families want to take pictures with their families. Is uh, Brother Peter, where's, I've lost Brother Peter, there he is. If you could just lead the families out and we're going to finish the service. Um, lead them out in the vestibule and and uh, kind of be able to take and take some photos out there and and uh, as our families are are being dismissed at this time, I do want to thank them all of you for coming this morning and supporting. But also we have a time of prayer and. Uh, want to give you this opportunity as well. Maybe everything isn't fine at home. Maybe everything isn't fine with mom and dad. Maybe your family struggles with self-control. There's nothing wrong with coming down here today and saying, Lord, <laughs> can you help me in this? So as our worship team begins to sing this morning and lead us into worship as we close this out, I just want to open up this altar to anyone here today that feels they need more of Jesus in their life. They need more love and more joy. Maybe you struggle to find that joy. Maybe you struggle to find peace. You struggle to find patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want to challenge you this morning to come to this altar and say, Lord, I want to, I want to, I want to take all of that, all of my frustrations, all of my shortcomings. 
Lord, I want to I want to give it to you, Lord. Maybe you need a healing in your body this morning. I want you need a healing, need prayer. God bless you.
I surrender. 